I want you to help me to pray to today. I've heard the praying songs that have already started. And so today, right before the sermon, we just want to praise God and forget about what's going on in your life. Forget about it. But let's give God some praise today. Because every praise, every praise, I said every praise, every praise, every praise belongs to God. Somebody help me praise God today. Come on, church. Come on, church. I about this situation. Things are going well, but when things are going bad, 
Stay close to God because one thing God knows how to do, He knows how to comfort His people in times of trials and tribulations. He knows what we stand in need of. He knows when we need a comforting hand around our shoulders. And so we thank God for His faithfulness. Even when we are unfaithful, God is still faithful. We thank Him for His faithfulness in the good times and the bad times. Let's give God another hand clap of praise because He's worthy of all that praise. As I study the Bible, as I look through the Bible, I come through the things that over and over again, I think about God's standards and how God's ways are so much higher than our ways. Uh, and I looked and I looked at today's passage and I found a clue of how God or what God, I would say, what God expects of us. Uh, and it's not easy by any means, but that's why He had to send the Holy Spirit to help us. But in today's text, uh, it's quite evident what God uh, requires of us. And as I get into it, more into it, I will explain as I go along. But uh, one thing I, I found out from Genesis to Revelations in my study that, that forgiveness is a key. Forgiveness is a key. Uh, we cannot stay mad at people. Come on, somebody. Uh, we have to forgive those because if we forget those, God will forgive us. No matter what they've done for us, God says, vengeance is mine. So I want to look at that today as we go through our text and another things in a way that uh, that we can comprehend. When I was growing up, uh, we had a familiar saying, and I don't know if they still use it today, but the saying was, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. Some of you who made that statement, you're dating yourself. That may not be the exact saying, but it's close enough. But I found out later in life that this saying is not exactly true. Amen. The meaning of it was, at the time when I was growing the meaning of it was that people can call you names and it shouldn't affect you because it cannot physically harm you like sticks and stones. The reason why I say that this is not exactly True, is it all depends on the mental makeup of the person. A mentally strong person, words might not matter as much as it does to a mentally weak-minded person. But I want to take it even further. For a person who has accepted Christ outside words or noise, as I call it, shouldn't bother them. For fear what people might say or do we have to learn to get past all of this? Now, for Jesus says in Luke chapter 12, verses 4 through 5, I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, 
but cannot afterwards do anything worse. I will show you whom to fear. Fear God, who after killing has the authority to throw you in hell. Believe me, he is the one you should fear. <laughs> and I've said all that to, to say this. We will always have people who don't agree with us. We will always have people who will talk about us. That's just human nature. That's what human nature does. Amen. But there is a way to deal with all of this, and Jesus shows us how to do that in our text for today. Goes one of God's standards. <laughs> Jesus shows us a very simplistic way of dealing with outside noise. In a way that sets us free from any harm that it might do to us mentally or any other way for that fact. And so I want to talk with you today, use that as my title. Is it really blasphemy? Is it really blasphemy? Is it really blasphemy? I'll text me John chapter 10, verses 33 through uh, 36. John chapter 10 through 36. There are some people who accuse Jesus of blasphemy. And then later on in the passage, Jesus defends himself against the accusations. I want to pay attention, special attention to that. I hate how he defends himself against accusations. I'm asking if the Lord here will come at this time to read our text. So while he's coming, I would ask that you turn off your cell phones and uh, so that we're not disturb God's word. Minister Lord, please. Amen. John chapter 10, verses 33 through 36. When you have it, will you please stand on your feet of reverence for the word of God? Thank you for this time that we will spend with you and ask, oh God, 
your spirit make a lot of good sanctuary that you would open hearts and minds that they might be receptive to your sacred scriptures today. And ask the God that you would use me, O God, to glorify and magnify your name. And ask the God that whatever is said, whatever is done here today, may you get the glory. And to you be the glory forever and ever and ever. It is in the blessed, holy, and the master's name of Jesus that we say thank you, and thank you, and amen. amen. In our first few verses, the people are accusing Jesus of blasphemy. <clears throat> the meaning of blasphemy is the act or offense of speaking sacrilegiously about God or sacred things. Or simply put, it means using God's name in vain or disrespecting God and his name. In verses 31 and 33 of our sermon text, the Apostle John tells us, Then the people again picked up stones to throw at him. And Jesus said to them, I have done many good deeds in your presence which the Father gave me to do, but which one of these do you want to stone me? And they answered, uh, we do not want to stone you because of any good deed, but because of your blasphemy. You are only a man, but you are trying to make yourself God. And now we must understand that accusing someone of blasphemy in the biblical world was a serious offense in the Vedas, chapter 24, verse 16, the punishment for blasphemy was death. In the Jewish law, the only form of blasphemy which is punishable by death is blaspheming the name of the Lord. But let us consider these things. Burning the Bible is considered blasphemy. Vandalizing a church is a form of blasphemy. Worshiping Satan is surely blasphemy. Some scholars say committing suicide is blasphemous. Some say saying that God is unkind or, un or unjust or cruel is blasphemy. Saying the Lord's name in vain is blasphemy. Exodus Chapter 20, verse 7 tells us, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. These are just a few examples of so-called blasphemy in today's world. Now, these people want to stone Jesus. And so we say, why? Well, we know that they said because you're trying to make yourself a God. But Jesus also wants to know why. Because he says in that paraphrase, which one of the many good deeds that I have done in front of you do you want to stone me? And they tell him the answer, they do not want to stone him for the good deeds he has done, but for trying to make himself God while he is only a man. 
In other words, he has committed blasphemy. And my question is, well, how do they know that he's only a man? Surely it's the thing that he did, uh, no man can do. Have you ever seen a man raise the dead? Amen. Or calm a sea? You see, they are like many people today. They want only a half of Jesus. They want the good things. I want to be healed. I want to, I want you to take care of my finances. I want you to take care of my family. I want you to do all the good things. But not all of them. They don't want all of them. They want the good things. He can give them. But they do not want the responsibilities of the other half of Jesus. Like let them have complete control of their life. Don't know they're going too far with that. You can heal me, you can you can make my life nice and all that, but but I, but I don't want to bow down to you. I don't want to go that far. I don't want you taking over my whole life. That's why I keep saying I'm all in with Jesus. I don't want half of Jesus. I want all of Jesus. And if that means I have to change my lifestyle, then that is what I will do. A half of Jesus will not get me into heaven. Nor will it get you into heaven. I want to have anything, especially about Jesus. But there are responsibilities that go along with Accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I can introduce well, no, but I don't want the other hand. We say that, but when times get really rough, when tragedy strikes, when sickness comes, we wish we had that other half of Jesus. We wish we could just fall on our knees and say, Lord, Help me. I'm in need. I need some help. I want all of you. You see, the Jews were okay with him making the lame walk and the blind to see and the dead being raised from the dead. But they would not accept him being the Son of God. That's taking it a little too far. And so it is today, we will accept the external things of Christianity. I want to carry my Bible, I want to wear my big cross, I want to do all the external things. I just want to do those things. I'll work on a committee and I'll try to better, to better the life of the church. And I'll be sponsoring different church functions and all of that. Now all of these things are good. And God approves of them because it brings us together in fellowship and of love. At least it brings us together in that love connection. Uh, some external things in the church are okay, but they cannot compare in no way with the internal things. Cannot compare with that. You can have a close, personal relationship with Jesus. It's absolutely necessary. Because when things go wrong, and they will go wrong in this life, the only one that can help you is Jesus. The only one you can call out to is Jesus. And when your child is sick, 
You can't call out a friend because friends can't help you. The only one that can help you is Jesus. And when your mother is on her deathbed and you're crying out to somebody, your friends cannot help you. Only Jesus can help you. Because he's the only one that can raise the dead. He's the only one that can comfort you when nobody else can comfort you. They can come and pray with you and all that. But only Jesus can help you. That's why you have to be all in on Jesus. You have to be all in on Jesus. Because Jesus says, I will never, ever leave you. Our friend will leave us. Oh, yes, they will. They might not want to, but circumstances might make them leave you. You see, when it comes down to the nitty-gritty to the end of it, people are going to look out for themselves. Unless they have a relationship with Jesus. That's why all the stuff we see going on in the world today is nothing but greed. People don't care nothing but themselves. Oh, they'll give money to certain uh, situations and stuff like that, but don't ask them to do anything out of the ordinary because they got to take care of their own selves. Ouch. Ooh, thank you, Jesus. Uh, that's why I started the prayer service on, on the last third of each month. Because I want us to have a close relationship with Jesus. I just don't want us just to come to church. I want us to come to church and to pray and pray to God. Let God take over the whole service. Now it hasn't been that great. But it's a success. Because any time you come and pray to God, it's a success. So I've learned not to worry about numbers. I've learned not to let numbers bother me. As long as in the presence of God, I'm okay. You see, we have to learn how to get closer to God. And the closer we get to God, the less problems we'll see in our lives. Oh, things will not change that bad, but there's something different about the way we approach things. There's something different when sickness comes because we have the absolute confidence that God will take care of it. We don't know when, we don't know how, but we know that God will take care of it. But how do you know that? Because, because I talk to him every day, and he talks to me, and I'm his child, and he said that he would take care of me. He would take care of my need. And I've learned how to talk with God. Not just to ask him for anything. I've learned to talk with him and say, if it is thy will, not my will, whatever happens, if it is thy will, let it be. Your will. And if it is his will, then it is good. Because God wants only the best for us. That's why Jesus said in the God Gethsemane, if it's possible, Father, take this cup of suffering away from me. But nevertheless, let it be your will. I'll go through it as long as it's your will. And I'll go through my sickness and I'll go through my pain and I'll go through my financial difficulty. If it is your will, because if it's your will, you'll bring me out. And I know you'll bring me out because you're the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And all power is in your hands. I know who my God is. There's nobody like God. Nobody like God. 
There's many imitations, there's many imitations of God, but there's nobody like God Himself. And he's able, I'll tell you, He's able. Okay, what your problem is, He's able to take care of it in His own time. And He will take care of it in His own time if you go to Him in the right way. Jesus is going to answer these accusations that these people have against him. You know, people accuse us of everything all the time. Don't they? We may not hear it directly, but we hear it indirectly. Who wants somebody? But that's okay. Because Jesus is going to show us how to get over it. Remember I told you earlier how Jesus is going to show us how to deal with outside noise. That's what I call it, outside noise. Or people using our names in an accusatory or ungodly manner. Or for whatever reason, just don't like it anyhow. <laughs> the first thing we have to do, and one of the most important things we can do when we're accused, we have to make sure, and I want you to listen to me, make sure that what they say is not true. They have to make sure what they say is not true. And if that is the case, then let us pay attention to the verses 34 and 36 of our sermon text. If it is not true, the question is, is Jesus really committed blasphemy in this text? We know the answer to that question is no. Jesus is defending himself against the people. And he says in verses 34 and 36, it is written in your own law that God said you are gods. We know that what the scripture says is true forever. And God called those people gods. The people to whom his message was given. As for me, the Father chose me and sent me into the world. How then can you say that I blessed me because I said that I am the Son of God? Notice that Jesus, what Jesus does in verses 34 and 36. He turns the people's charges against him right back at them and challenges them to provide a reason for the use of the word God or gods in the law, i.e. the scriptures. When the reference was to human beings. One of the texts that was probably on Jesus' mind was Psalms 82, 6 where human beings are called both gods and sons of the Most High. Jesus' logic was clear. If, if their source book or their, their law called human gods and the scriptures are reliable, but it cannot be broken, then where was their problem with him calling himself the Son of God? Jesus completely shuts them down. They have nothing else to say. Jesus has put them on the defense, and so they answer 
with silence. You see, when people have nothing else to say, and there's nothing that's going to be good for them, then they'll be quiet. They won't say anything. They just walk away. <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. Now notice what Jesus used to, used to defeat them. Godly wisdom and the sacred scriptures and truth. Three things. Godly wisdom, scriptures, and truth. Those three things will bail you out. And if it worked for Jesus, it'll work for us. Watch this. Again, first we have to make sure that what the people are saying against us is not true. If that is the case, then we go to God in prayer. And ask him for godly wisdom in our situation. Now this doesn't only work also work with people talking about it, it also works in all situations. But the truth is the main thing. You have to make sure that it's not true. We go to God in prayer and ask him for godly wisdom in the situation that we find ourselves in. Then we put our accuser on defense by asking are they speaking from personal knowledge or from other, some other source and if from the source how do they know that it is true now we know it didn't come from their personal knowledge of us because we know it's not true and therefore, their source and them also have to be lying. And that's kind of the easy part. Then to put it all into all of this, you can present yourself, you can present the person with some character references. And I hear somebody say right now, Oh, Pastor, I'm not going to do all that. I'm not going to do all that. Remember I told you God's ways are higher than God's ways? Remember I told you that? Now these character reference of you from people whose character is unquestioned. In other words, if someone is accusatory of me, I would take up with some of my Preacher friends, I can even take it to Minister Lloyd or Minister Highway, someone, somebody who knows me. Or I can take it to my wife, but I couldn't use her because I say, well, she's going to say anything because she's your wife anyhow. She's going to say anything, but I could take it to Minister Lloyd and Minister Highway that could reference my character. Or even more important than Chris, I could take it to God who knows me. Amen. Again, Make sure that it's not true. Then go to God and pray for your situation. I'm not just saying I like prayer. I'm talking about fall on your knees, prostrate yourself before God to help you. Any of these character references. Then we'll watch this here. And this is the hard part. Then after all that is in, 
you take the person's hand who by now is your enemy and you pray with them if they will let you and you ask God to renew your relationship with them if you had one in the first place and if you didn't have one to begin a new one if this is done then you have done two things you have saved this person's spiritual life and you have put them on the road to heaven and you have added to your heavenly rewards and God himself is pleased with you. Well, Pastor, how do you know all this way? Because the Bible tells me. We pay anything that's not in the Bible. When Jesus was on the cross, Jesus, and, and, and when he was on the cross dying, and he said to them, Father, forgive them. For they know what they do. God always taught, he said, I am pleased with my son. Because Jesus knew how to forgive people. Even when they were nailed into the cross, he said, forgive them. For they don't know what they do. And the same people who talk all the time, who talk about it, they really don't know what they're doing. They don't. But we can't feed into that. If we do all that, we take another person out of the enemy's hand and reduce Satan's army by one. God says, my ways are higher than your way. You can't act the same way and turn to my kingdom. You can't. You have to be different. You have to be different. After all, God is the one who created everybody in the world was created by God. Everybody was created by God. Every breath that everybody takes was given and is given by God. Hitler, the worst murderers, and all of them, God created all of them. And if they had a fell on their knees and asked to give from God and give their life to Christ, then God would accept them. We have to be above this world. We have to go above this. If you want to get into heaven, you've got to be more than what we're doing. You have to let God take vengeance. You have to let God take care of the other thing. You just be a child of God and stop loving people. You see, Jesus was basically doing the same thing in our passage of Scripture. He wasn't trying to condemn these people. Yes, Jesus didn't like the Christ. He didn't like what the, what the people and the Pharisees and the Sadducees were doing. He didn't like their works, but he said himself, listen to them. What they say is right, but what they do is wrong. Yeah, this is good. Didn't he say that? People do things, but that's not who they really are. It's because the human nature has gotten to them, or Satan has gotten to them, and so they follow that there. But once you proclaim Jesus your Lord and Savior, and the Spirit comes into your soul, he fights all that stuff off. You're a new person. You're renewed inside. And no matter how much he tries to draw you in, you say, I'm not falling for that because I'm a child of God. And I'm going to stand with God. Not going to get angry. Not going to get upset about the people. I'm going to 
Yeah, you slay it. Y'all, I was trusting you still. That's what Job says. Job says, I wasn't wrong, but I'm going to trust in God. That's what God's looking for. That's what he's looking for. He's not looking for somebody going to do the same thing as somebody outside is doing. That's not no change. You're the same as they are. What difference does that make? You can't bring nobody to God act the same way they do. Why would they follow you when you're doing the same thing they're doing? No, you got to be above that. you got to be above that. When they talk about you and all this stuff, you just keep on going and say, I love you with the love of the Lord. And I'll tell you what else it does. <laughs> I'll tell you what else it does. God comes and sanctifies your home. He just sanctifies your home. He must just spit it all through your house there. It's not a very good thing that we can do is saying, God says, I am pleased with you. That means more than all the money in the world. I am pleased with you. You see, you see, these people who are talking about Jesus, they were ignorant. After they see all the stuff that he's done, all, all the healings and the raising from the dead, they were ignorant of the true things of God. They knew about God, but they didn't know God. Many people know about God, but few people know God for themselves. But this God was right in front of them. And yet, they didn't know him. No, Jesus wasn't guilty of blasphemy. They were. We can sum all this up with these words. The truth will set you free. The truth will set you free. It was true thousands of years ago, and it's just as true today. God says, if you will trust me, just be right. Do the right thing. If you will just trust me, I will show you the way. I will show you the way. But you have to be truthful. It will free us from all accusations, lies. We will eventually die. But the truth is eternal. All lies die sooner or later. But the truth never dies. The truth lives on. It will be victorious in all situations. And sometimes God can make work months and years and, 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 and hundreds of years, but eventually it'll still, the truth will still be there. We might be gone, but the truth will still be there. No one can stand up to the truth. Pilate couldn't, King Saul couldn't, and King Herod couldn't. Jesus says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father except by me. No one goes to the Father by me. We should be all striving to live a life of truth, not only in what we do, but also in what we say. We ought to have a prayer like that. It's beyond doubt. We ought to pray to God at all times. Not just on the last Thursday of the month, we ought to pray to God every morning, every evening, while we're at work, wherever we are, we ought to constantly pray to God. 
We ought to try to get so close to God that we can get into his head pocket. God wants to hear from us. He wants to hear from his children. Not only when they need something all the time, he wants to hear from them when they don't need anything. When they're doing well, he wants to hear from them. He wants to hear from his children because even God sometimes gets lonely and he wants to hear from his children. He wants to help us. He says, he says I will pour blessing on you in abundance. God's storehouse is never empty. God has all kinds of blessings waiting for us. He just waiting to pour them down on us. And if we would only, if we would only fall down on our knees, if we would only prostrate ourselves, if we would only say, God, I surrender. I surrender my life to you. Not only my word, but I surrender my whole life to you. Whatever I do, may you get the glory from it, whatever I do. Psalms 141 uh, verses 3 and 4 it says, Lord, place a guide at my mouth, a sentry at the door of my lips. Keep me from wanting to do wrong. Put a sentry at my lips. Put a guide on Put a lock on my lips. Stop me from saying the wrong thing. Keep me from doing the wrong thing. All I want to do is get in heaven to be with you. Help me to get there, God.
for we are your children called by your name.